Don, do you even lift? Occasionally. Do you skip leg day? Absolutely not. You never want to skip leg day. I mean, that's just, you're just going to throw, you're going to be as lopsided. Yeah, I guess though, if you had no legs, um, it would be okay to skip leg day. Uh, I guess you could just sort of slither about. Slithering like, like, like a snake? Like a snake or like a legless lizard. Uh-oh, it looks like we just stumbled into our topic for today. Yeah, real quick. Do you know why the legless lizard family is anguimorpha? Why? Because they're angry they don't got no legs. There's your Don joke for for the week, everyone. Soak it in. You're welcome. They don't get better than that. <laughs> I actually really like that joke. That was a good one. <laughs> I'm glad you appreciated it. So we are talking uh, legless lizards today. Maddie has a wonderful interview uh, with a guest, uh, a herpetologist. And uh, we're just going to do our normal intro with the news, and then we're going to turn it over to Maddie and our guest. But I think this is going to be a really solid one, Don, so I say we just jump right to the news. Let's dive right on into it. I believe you have some Mon-related news. Well, we do science news first, Don. Oh, well, in that case, I have science news. Yes, hit me. Well, this comes from, this is uh, like two weeks old news, So, but you sound like you didn't hear of it. So we have a new type of whale. Oh? Has been discovered, sort of. How did they miss a whale? That was what I was wondering. So we already knew the whales were there, mm-hmm. and we thought they were a different, we thought they were a type of whale, a species of whale called a, um, a bride's whale, I believe is how you say it. Okay. Um, it was a popu- This is a population that lives in the Gulf of Mexico, sort of right in my backyard, northeastern Gulf of Mexico near Florida and Alabama, like Panhandle, Florida, to Al- Mobile, Alabama. They found them um, about 100 kilometers south of Mobile, Alabama. So that kind of gives you an idea where they're at. Um, and previously, they thought they were a group of. They were thought to be a group of brides whaled. Well, a dead one. I guess a dead one washed up in the Everglades, and they took a, a gander at some bones. And they realize that the morphology of the skull is different um, than what they than a bride's whale. So now they have been named the Rice's whale, like like R I C E. Yes, uh, named after the American biologist Dale Rice. Mm-hmm. It is a little unfortunate that we found them just now and realize they're different because we found them in time to realize that there's about a hundred of them left. Better late than never, I guess. Better late than never. I mean, we already knew. I guess we already knew. So we already knew they were there. Yeah. But we didn't – no one really took a close gander at them, which I guess is fair. I mean, they're out there. and the, So they found one that was 11 meters long, which is a good-sized critter. That was the one that washed up dead in 2019. It is kind of cool because it's a um, it's a Gulf of Mexico – from what we know, it's like at least now it's a Gulf of Mexico-only species. So it's like a uniquely American whale is how they described it. I'm going to be honest. I did not know that we had whales in the Gulf of Mexico, like around Alabama. Oh, yeah, we do. I mean, other than the little shifty dolphins and whatnot, we uh, Kate, we do get some other whales in there. I know a friend of mine. You hate dolphins and seals. I do not hate them. I love seals. Sea lions are shifty. Oh, sea lot, sea lions. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. But the bad news. So yeah, it is. It is a baleen whale. So it's your classic like whale, as opposed to like a tooth whale, like an orca. And unfortunately, it is now the most endangered baleen whale in U.S. waters. So hopefully, I mean, there's a lot of lot of stuff going on in the Gulf out there in terms of, you know, drilling and shipping and stuff like that. So hopefully, hopefully we're able to, you know, keep these guys around and learn some more about them. 
But I would recommend giving them a Google. It's a, it's a good. I think it's a good looking whale. I mean, and you, you can't address a problem you don't know exists. So yes, yeah. So I think previously we thought it was a population of a more prolific species, and we thought it was like a little subpopulation. Now we know it's a. It's now we know it's a brand new type of whale. So yeah, let's let's save that whale, everybody. Well, brand new to us. Brand new to us. Yeah, I think it's been there for a minute. Yeah. It is funny that no one really took a look at them. Yeah. Oh, I feel like that's like every week on the show, we just have another example of people being like, huh, this is new. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they think it reaches a length of 41 feet. Um. Makes uh, this is going down there. Uh, makes foraging dives during the day of up to 889 feet. Very specific number. Can we also take a minute to recognize the amount of pressure that comes with naming a new species? Yeah, honestly, I think the move is, it sounds like a jerk move, but name it after yourself or like your buddy, I think is the safest move. I like, I would panic also, but like, I would, I would, I would pivot and just do my first name. So it'd be Chris's whale. Chris's whale. Yeah. I mean, if I guess we can make a good, depending on the creature, if you can make a good pun out of it or something, that'd always be fun. I think. Well, all I know is. I would fail at this exercise. <laughs> Put any animal in front of me and be like, I, I don't, I don't know. It's red. There was that. Um, I believe it. I believe it was like some. It was there was a some paleontology students found a new dinosaur and they actually named it Draco Rex Hogwartsia. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a few. Years. I think that's like early two thousands though. When that. Yeah, happened. no, I, I remember that one. That was when you knew that that our generation was moving into <laughs> into science. <laughs> yeah, that was the signal. Oh god! Uh, I believe though you have some science or some Pokemon news. Yes, yes. So, uh, well, obviously, a lot's happening in Pokemon right now. We are coming up on Pokemon Day on the 25th anniversary, which is huge. That is very exciting. I mean, 25 years—that is what 75% of my lifetime. Yeah, more than that of mine, I think. Even yeah, 25 years. Wow, that's crazy. I still remember getting. A cassette tape in the mail, a yellow cassette tape in the mail at my grandparents' house. I think for some like magazine that we subscribe to, and it yeah. was the first episode of the anime. Oh, that's kind of awesome. It was before it had come to the states, and they were sending out VHS tapes to like you know basically like pump people up, like to you know get, you know tell everyone that the show was coming. Yeah. Uh, and we watched it, and I was just like, "This is this is awesome." Like I was that first episode with with Pikachu and the 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 Spiro swarm and all that, right? And you see you see Ho-O. That was sweet. I remember like being so blown away when we finally got Ho in the games too. That was so cool. Yeah, uh, but man, like that that honestly is one of my earliest memories is getting that tape and watching it with my brother uh, at my grandparents' house. It's crazy. I um yeah I remember like I I was I was a bit younger when uh, the po- we first got the Pokemon I, but I do remember pl- my first Pokemon game and I remember not being able to read mm-hmm. while I uh, played it for the most part other than like knowing the words I knew in like first grade yeah and uh, like later on going back to that game and everything was just every <laughs> every Pokemon was just named like ah I, <laughs> I would just mash the button until something different happened wait how how old were you when the first one came out. I'm trying to think i'm that was before first grade actually let me think i'm when did poke when did we get red i was yeah it was before first grade pokemon red released in 98 so i was five in the it released in the u.s in 98 it released in uh japan i believe in yeah that makes sense because i had my dad's old game boy i was probably five or six when i was yeah. playing it 
And yeah, well, I got. I think my first one was no. My first one was blue, and then I got yellow. And I remember not knowing how to get past the cerulean gym, or not the gym, but like after that area to like go through like the people, the guy that digs you out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. So I had a black, and I was so I would just. I was like, I thought that if I just got strong enough, the game would open for some reason. Yeah. So I had a, uh, I had a Blastoise, um, like by the time I beat Misty. <laughs> you had more perseverance than I did because I chose Charmander as my starter and I got to Brock. Oh my I... God. Oh, that was Bruce Charmander. And then Misty, Misty yeah. Starmie back in the, that thing was the OG. If we hadn't have had milk, if milk tank didn't happen to us after we'd still be talking about that Starmie. That Starmie was brutal. Well, so I I gave up at Brock and went. I restarted my game and picked Bulbasaur and just steamrolled everything. I think I went. I think you pick up a Butterfree early. I think Butterfree got Absorb or something yeah. like that really early on, and that was definitely key for beating Brock. I think. Well, it doesn't. No, no, no. no. It was. It was Nidoran gets double kick to fight the Mill Tank. That's what. That's what that was. Okay. Yes, you also get a, can you get a Nidoran with double kick in the first game, I believe. Uh, okay. Unless what? that's just the remake where you have it, because I know they get, they changed Charmander's move pool and gave it Metal Claw. Yeah. Solely in like Fire Red Leaf Green, solely so Brock wouldn't steamroll you. Yeah, it was it was awful. Oh my gosh, I'm surprised I didn't just quit on the game altogether. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Back in the day, that that was that was a different sort of game back then. Yeah. Those, it's the whole like easy easy medium and hard modes depending on who you picked yeah but no that's so we got our 25th anniversary so i guess the 27th so the day after this releases we get our post malone concert which is wild to me i i mean i you know i like some post malone songs so i'll probably check it out i'm not anti post i'm not anti the guy in any in any way um i just think it's funny that that's the the pokemon partnered thing uh, but no, there's, I mean, there's lots of stuff going on. There's in Pokemon Go, we have the Kanto event that had the big thing last weekend, which was a lot of fun for me. Yeah, I missed out on that, actually. I went, I was actually out on a ski trip and I did ice fishing, which I also enjoyed. Oh, okay. Well, I got zero shinies that I didn't already have. I got a Rhyhorn and a Squirtle, which was disappointing. I have neither of those shinies if it makes you feel better. Those were both community days, Don. Come on. Those were ones I missed, yeah. apparently. And then the other Pokemon Go announcement was the next community day is fletchling i did see that i i personally kind of like shiny talon flame it's kind of a simple shiny but it looks more a little more birdish and it's not like yeah. a crazy thing i i just like that everyone that the jokes about that for its community day move they were just going to give it brave bird and it already and it already knows brave birds <laughs> they're just going to give it double brave bird oh i didn't know it got brave bird that's neat mm-hmm. yeah no it brave bird messes people up in in gbl but the other big 25th anniversary, well, I don't know if it's tied to the 25th anniversary or not, but the other big is the TCG, which is that you cannot find Shining Fates anywhere, Don. You were just telling me about that, and then you had something else related to it. Yeah, well, so I managed my local game shop, which, if you're listening to this and you're having trouble finding it, finding Shining Fates or any Pokemon cards really in stores... Be sure to check your local game shops. Make sure that, you know, you're su- you're supporting your local businesses. But mine somehow stumbled into a couple of the Pikachu boxes that have four packs in them. And so I drove out and bought it. And I got a uh, Amazing Rare Reshiram, which is one of the cards I wanted. So all in all, I was pretty happy with it. I'm happy that I got, got a box that I could open because I was definitely not paying the double price that people are charging on eBay. Plus, I don't 
really like supporting that, you know? Yeah. Like people buying it and then selling for twice the cost. I don't care if you hold on to it for like 10 years and then sell it. Yeah, then I respect I respect your commitment at that point. Yeah, but, you know, buying it from Target and then flipping it for double, I'm just like, come on. Yeah, I agree with you on that. But no, like seriously though, the cards, like I, I Battle Styles, which comes out March 19th, I had to pre-order booster packs for the first time in my life. Really? Yes. I did not know. Like, I felt weird pre-ordering a $4 item, but I bought five or I pre-ordered five. They're not out yet. I pre-ordered five uh, and we'll see what happens. But again, because all the pre-orders for all the boxes are already gone from all my game shops. Dang. It's a pretty, like, I hope that people stay interested in the TCG and collecting because I th- I've been playing the, I've been playing the card game app and it's been pretty fun. How is that? It's not the best designed app but the game i mean the game's the game and i'm finding it pretty fun i'm mostly battling with theme decks though because i don't have enough to build a deck right but i think i'm i'm still having fun with it i want to build a deck but i want to like not you know spend a a ton of money at this point (laughs) i'll just like buy the cards like i'm already buying the physical cards um i don't want to have to buy individual ones for uh that but i'm the card game is fun. The app is fun. And I had a bunch of those little like free code cards that come in the packs. So I've been messing with those, but I think more people getting involved in connecting with Pokemon is a good thing. No, I, I think that's always a good thing. And, you know, people like me, you know, rediscovering something that they loved when they were a kid. I think, you know, I, I think I, I forget who I was talking to, but I was saying that, you know, there was a time in my life when I thought I was like too old for Pokemon I think uh, a lot of us went through that. And, you know, I, I kind of wish that I just kept playing it because it's something that, you know, I really enjoy. And uh, it's really fun. I've met a lot of great people through it, like all of all of you. Uh, yes, and I'm great. So I think that, you know, I've, I've reached a point in my life where I find that, you know, if things bring you joy, embrace it. Exactly. That's my PSA for this week. Unless you're on Chansey, then don't embrace it. I don't like minimize Chansey. Uh, I think is there any other is there any other uh, Pokemon news, Don, that we're missing? Still really excited about Pokemon Snap. Yeah. Well, that was some long tangents. At this point, we're gonna turn this episode over to uh, to to Maddie and our special guest, Krista. Yeah, let's have them take it away. Okay, so thank you for joining me. So first, if you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your research. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm a herpetologist, which means I study cold-blooded things. Uh, I focus mostly on lizards. Got my start in Chicago, which is not a place that you'd expect a herpetologist to start out at. Uh, It's very cold. There are like four reptiles there, uh, and I (laughs) never saw a lizard. I saw two snakes in my entire childhood in Illinois. Yeah, like a couple turtles. Well, I think it also depends on like where you live. Because like I'm in Ohio and it's similar weather. Mm -hmm. And like where I grew up, I saw no snakes ever. But then where I live now, which is only like 40 minutes south, like we have snakes everywhere. Yeah, it really depends on the the environment, uh, who's living in the environment. Like, you know, snakes need prey. So if there aren't a lot of of things for them to eat around, then, you know, they won't be around. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Sorry, you were saying about Chicago, which is an amazing city, one of my favorites. Yes. 
So I did not get into science because of, you know, the local local fauna there. Uh, there was a nature preserve near my house, which, uh, which was influential uh, for me, but I mostly got interested in nature through books and museums, and actually Pokemon, I think, played a pretty big role. I mean, didn't it for all of us? <laughs> oh, yeah. But you guys, <laughs> Chicago has the shed. Yes. I actually worked there for a summer. It's so fun. Do you have like horror stories like, oh my God, they actually feed the turtles like lot <laughs> No. Uh the actually the 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 secret, the the only like real secret that I was let in on is there was a giant Amazonian catfish, like seven <gasps> feet long, that did not play well with others that they keep in the back. Uh, and I got to feed it <laughs> once. Oh wow. I mean, those are the things that like are on like river monsters, right? Like yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it <laughs> it apparently just ate all of its tank mates. So they were like, oh, you know no. what? You don't get to be on display anymore. <laughs> you know, I God, I'm gonna I'm gonna date myself. I went years ago and we showed up, we we drove up to Chicago and we went to the field and they had um, what kind of whales did you guys was it beluga whales yes beluga yes. whales and it was the day the one was born and they <gasps> didn't know it was pregnant <gasps> and they're like oh we were surprised the beluga whales are off exhibit <laughs> and like i had never <laughs> seen one in my entire life at that point and i was like no i just want to see this whale oh that's so tragic <laughs> i came back a few years had to see it right well the, what else over there like the fields right there too right yeah, and I, I worked there. I interned uh, after undergrad. I interned at the Field Museum in the paleontology department. Uh, that is probably my favorite place in the entire world. I I love it there. Um, my office uh, where I did my work was, uh, if you go in the Evolving Planet exhibit, there's a bunch of dinosaurs in the yeah. big dinosaur hall. Follow the Triceratops' tail, and there's the door to where my lab was. Okay. Next time I'm out there. Yeah. Just, just, it was really cool to walk out of the door and like, oh, there's a triceratops button and oh, there's a, there's a big old dinosaur. You were in paleontology. Is that like a area of interest for you? Yes. So, um, I, in undergrad, I worked on snake speciation, uh, and through that sort of realized that life is you know, the life that we see now is just a tiny fraction of the life that has existed. And the story of evolution goes way back and has been influenced by geology and changes in the earth. Um, okay. Like changes in the earth directly influence changes that we see in evolution. Huh. So I went into paleontology to sort of understand that story more completely. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? Like the environment drives how species turn out. Mm -hmm. I think anyone who's ever seen like sci-fi understands that to some degree, just not realizing they understand that, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, oh, yeah. is it James Cameron's Avatar. Yes. Everything has evolved through a six-legged system mm -hmm. because that, that was conducive to that environment. Mm-hmm. But you still have a lot of things in that that are that are similar to things on Earth, like the the yes. the monsters that the I forgot their name, but the those flying things they look a lot like pterosaurs, banshees, right? Oh, Is I that don't it? Remember? Isn't that the thing at um? It's at it's a it's at Disney World. You can ride it. It's a ride. It's yeah. literally a ride at Disney World. Ooh. Like you can, yeah. It's, huh. in the, it's in the Avatar Land and Animal Kingdom. I have one of my daughters really wants to go and write it as she said that it looks like Charizard. 
it does look like Charizard. <laughs> and A plus, that is a great reason. To, to I mean, she's three, so <laughs> <laughs> she's my thrill seeker. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, that's such an interesting way to, I think, think about, because I, I, I do think, and that ties into what you just said, I think of what is it? Is it divergent evolution where two animals end up with the same result? Convergent evolution. So that's actually my main thing. That's the main thing that I study. Yeah, I was gonna say that like ties into like what you do, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because like convergent evolution, the idea is that like there are only so many answers and that life is gonna find a way to reach one of those answers, right? Like mm-hmm. it's almost like chaos theory at some level. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, things are like yeah, it's it's entropy. Uh things are sort of <laughs> you know <laughs> entropy i love it yes things great way to describe things it. are changing all the time but because of certain constraints on development or on how things function uh how the environment interacts with the with the organisms uh things keep finding sort of the same solutions that's like like butterflies and moss right butterfly well butterflies and moss have a common ancestor that they well they have an ancestor a common ancestor that was you know kind of like i don't know cigar shaped with wings yeah they so that is um that's actually a no that's just plain old shared ancestry um but you got things like sharks and dolphins that like have oh, got similar like a, shapes. Yeah, torpedo like body shape, um, yeah. a dorsal fin, pectoral fins, a forked tail. Those are all adaptations that uh, help them swim fast. But their their ancestors looked completely different, but they've converged on this shape. Well, like dolphins are related to whales, so like they would have like a wolf ancestor, right? Somewhere. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, which is actually part of the artiodactyl family. So they're actually more closely related to cows than they are to wolves. Oh, that's what I, I knew that. I don't, I'm sorry. But the, the, it looked like a wolf. It looked like kind of a weird, like rat, like a mix between a like wolf and a rat and a cow. Like it was. So it was like the other avatar, not James Cameron, like avatar <laughs> airbender. Yes, Just yes. Put a duck and turtle together, turtle duck. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just a really frankly ugly looking thing but yeah evolved into a dolphin hey beauty is in the eye of the beholder exactly (laughs) but give another example from the pokemon world that um yeah that i've sort of been thinking about um so pikachu and emolga and like all those little like electric rodents have the the cheek patches which is you know the electricity organ um and they are probably all related because they're all like rodent pokemon but you've also got Toxel, which oh. has these cheek patches, which, yeah. and it's not a rodent. I don't know what it is, but it's it not is a rodent. It is a diaper baby lizard. <laughs> yes. So it's probably not directly related to the all the rodents, which means it's probably an instance of convergent evolution. Oh, brilliant. You heard mm-hmm. it here. Toxel and Pikachu are convergent. <laughs> yes. Next, we're gonna next, join us next time as we talk about Goldine and Sharpedo. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so what else? What, what else is like your uh, research based on now? So, um, convergent evolution is awesome to study because it's well, you know, when you're doing science experiments, uh, like if you remember science fair from back in the day, you always want to have multiple trials okay. so you can sort of understand, you know 
if what you're seeing is for reals or if it's if it's you know just a fluke of chance yeah. and convergent evolution sort of prov- provides natural experimental trials so you have a bunch of lineages that start out in sort of the same way and you can see if they end up the same way if there's something that they have in common um so you know with uh I don't know, with fast swimming fish, you've got, you know, tuna and, you know, dolphins aren't fish, but, you know, that torpedo shaped body seems to be associated with fast swimming. And we have a bunch of different lineages that have evolved that body shape. Uh, So we can sort of assume that there's some sort of selective pressure of fast swimming, that like fast swimming is advantageous. And so that body shape has sort of been driven by the selective pressures that make speed advantageous. And so you can learn a lot about how evolution works by studying convergent evolution. And I'm studying legless lizards because one, they're cute. Two, uh, they've evolved a bunch of different times. So we have a bunch of different trials. The official reckoning is 26 times uh, in in the lizard family, uh, but it's actually I think closer to 35 uh, in if you like actually go through and count all the times it's evolved. Um, and you've also got things like uh, in the uh, the Toxicroak episode, you mentioned Amphiuma. There are a few different lineages of amphibians that have evolved leglessness and you've got yes. eels too. Yeah. Uh, so it's happened a lot of different times and uh, we can learn a lot about what drives that evolution and what constrains it by studying all these different lineages. And uh, the thing that I'm focusing on is uh, how the elongation occurred. So that's sort of the first step in evolving a snake is an elongate body. It's not just like they wear rings around their neck. Exactly. Yeah. They get noodly first um, (laughs) and then their legs get smaller and it's sort of, some of it happens at the same time, but elongation seems to be the first step. Uh, and, but I wanted to figure out uh, whether it's their neck elongates and, and their trunk elongates. So they've got, you know, the neck, trunk, and tail are the three main body regions. And I wanted to figure out, is it sort of just the torso that's involved in that or just the trunk involved in that or is the neck involved too? And is that the same in each of these legless lizard lineages? Huh. So does evolution happen the same way in all of these different different natural experimental trials. Jeff Goldblum would argue that it doesn't. Life finds a way. <laughs> All right. So I, I actually have some questions here for you about legless lizards. Okay. So how do, how do you get involved like studying legless lizards instead of snakes? Like I know Lucas was like, well, snakes are the obvious reptile, right? Everyone prefers them, but what's the difference between them? Like legless lizards and snakes? Nothing. Snakes are legless lizards. Oh, okay. There, I, I lost a bet. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, we're not going to tell that person. I don't want to pay them $20. <laughs> but yeah, they all share an ancestor that uh, lived probably around 200 million years ago. Okay. Uh, that just kind of looked like a lizard. And then lineages over time have ditched the legs. Huh. And snakes were some of the first to do it. Um, but there have definitely been others. So do we think there's going to be like a legless crocodile? <laughs> Probably. So that's that's an interesting, another interesting oh. angle is 
why has it happened so many times in lizards, but it's never happened in, so crocodiles and alligators are part of a larger group called Archosauria. Do you think it's because they need it for on land? Well, there there are a number of theories. So uh, one is that there's, it's just not in their development. There's, they don't have like a, a predisposition to, to de-evolve limbs. It seems like there are some lineages that just, I don't know. They they have a lot more variation in limb size and uh, and in digit number, uh, but crocs have been pretty pretty steady through their whole lineage, and uh, it may be also due to uh, how they relate to their environment. So they don't do the burrowing thing as much. Uh, they're also ginormous, <laughs> uh, so yeah. it uh, there haven't been a lot of small ones. Whereas there's a lot of small lizards that make well, it that easier. Because adaptations are normally for survival, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Crocodiles don't have to worry about it. Got it. Yes. So yeah, they probably aren't doing so it seems like burrowing in lizards uh is associated with limb loss. So you get the snake form with burrowing. And uh gators don't really burrow in the same way. Okay. Oh, and I'll also say that snakes I I said snakes are legless lizards, but that's not entirely true because some snakes still have legs. Wait, what? Pythons and boas have sort of dumb, tiny little legs uh, called pelvic spurs. Wait, what? Yep. <laughs> they have just, it's like two tiny little claws. Uh, and they, oh, they yeah, use them that. to like, yeah, to help hold on uh, to their mate while while they're doing doing their thing. <laughs> Copulation claws. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And those, if you, if you do an x-ray, you can see that there's a bone in there and that bone is the femur. I mean, we're, we're going to move on and not talk about that and give people ideas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to talk about Snivy. Okay. I love Snivy. It's adorable. My daughter loves Snivy, right? Snivy is precious. Everyone loves Snivy. I mean, right. It's cute. It's based off a of vine snake, obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about it is that like it loses its limbs as it evolves. So are there real world records or accounts for species adapting to lose legs and I think you've mentioned this a little bit but I still want to ask that question absolutely so yeah I chose Snivy when I got black back in the day that was before I even decided to become a herpetologist I think Snivy was the only one in that generation I never used (laughs) (laughs) but it's so much better competitively it's such a great Pokemon oh yeah I just chose it because it was cute (laughs) it is cute but yeah, I love this line because it's one of the few in Pokemon that actually reflects evolution, not growth. So most of the time, evolution is more like metamorphosis in Pokemon. Like you've got yeah. most of them, um, it's like growth stages. You start out with big head, big eyes, and they evolve. It's based on insects. We've talked about that on the show that like it's based on insects. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought it's not called evolution in Japan. I thought it was not called that. Oh, that would make a lot of sense. Because, yeah, it's not yeah. a lot it's of... Not evolution. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really reflect evolution, except for the Snivy line. So this is Snivy... The Snivy line actually pretty decently reflects what happens over the course of evolution to limblessness. So you start out with this thing that looks like a lizard. And then you get... Um, get a thing that's a little bit longer with maybe reduced digits, and then you get you get a snake, or um, in Superior's case, almost entirely a snake. <laughs> I lied. 
It actually is mm-hmm. referred to as evolution in Japanese. That's weird. Yeah. And if you look at the translation for it in every other language, it's evolution. Huh. That's interesting. Well, what do they call, what do they call, you know, the thing where a tadpole turns into a frog? Do they call that metamorphosis or evolution? I mean, I'm assuming they call it metamorphosis. Hmm. Got to get a linguist on here next. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Snivy, though, like it changes and loses limbs over time, which similar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like, why would they do that in the real world? Uh, burrowing is the short answer. Is it's- that really the only answer? That's so it's, I guess, a little bit more complicated than that. But I don't know, being a tiny lizard out in the world is it's scary. Uh, And the best way to avoid predators, if you know, you're a tiny little lizard is to go underground. Uh, A lot of them burrow in sand or in loose soil. Some of them burrow through leaf litter or through grass. So like snivy should really or superior should really be like grass ground. Yeah, well, actually, there's a So it's another sort of, I don't know, fun Pokemon element to this is uh, there are sort of two morphs that happen, Uh, like some lineages that uh, that go underground, like they burrow through soil or sand. They end up with short tails and I like to call them the ground types. And then there are ones that go through that we call them grass swimmers, but I like to call them grass types Uh, and they have really long tails. Uh, So there's, yeah, just sort of these two different morphs that happen. So superior then does match what it looks like. Mm -hmm. That's cool. That's really cool. I don't think that was on purpose, but we'll, we'll give them points for it. Like it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Game freak. Yes. A plus. (laughs) So in the games, we look at superiors, Nivy's final form from behind. It has these like little arms, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you look at the back picture, like that's what I always thought that was. Yeah, I I sort of wasn't sure whether to interpret it as little little legs or just little leaf things. Um, <laughs> but arms, little arms totally make sense with how evolution works. So that is one I have not gotten over the dumb tiny arms, the dumb tiny useless arms that <laughs> that legless lizards end up getting. So um. there are a lot of transitional forms. Uh, it's not like you go from lizard to snake overnight. There's there's a transition that happens. Like Peter Parker? No, they don't. They tend to, uh, you know, they lose their arms, you know, and legs get get smaller in in relative size, and they lose digits. And sometimes you end up with just tiny little nubs. (laughs) They're entirely useless, but they're so cute. I mean, like a T Rex, right? Like useless arms. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So speaking of of T Rex. I see you have a note here that snakes lost their arms before T-Rex. Yes. So yeah, this happened a long time ago. And the way I like to put it into perspective is like if you went back in time to 65 million years ago, met a T-Rex and was like, hey, what do you think about snakes with legs? They would have been like, snakes with legs? What? <laughs> they lost their legs or the, the snake. We don't really know exactly when they lost their I legs. I like that in your hypothesis, like in your hypothetical that like a T-Rex is talking to you. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Naturally. I, is, this, is this meet the Robinsons? <laughs> yes. But yeah, they, the snake lineage probably evolved around 165 million years ago. We don't really know when in that time the legs were lost and it you know, it happened very gradually and, you know, they still have legs. The ones that lived around 95 million years ago had more substantial back legs, but they didn't have any front legs or any 
limb support bones in the front, like shoulder blades or collarbones. So they lost the stuff in the front pretty quickly, but kept the the back leg stuff going on for for a lot longer. Okay. So what does what does this look like like over time, right? Like as animals are adapting, is there anything like like because other animals have done it too, right? Like amphibians. So that is one thing that um that I am focusing on in my research. Uh, it has happened in a very similar way for for lizards. Uh, usually its body gets long and at the same time legs get smaller. Uh, and at a certain point, most lineages, uh, actually their, their forelimbs start being lost faster than their hind limbs. So you're more likely to see something with dumb, tiny back legs and no arms than you are to see uh, a superior kind of kind of deal. But with amphibians, it's a little harder to tell because they uh, there aren't there's only probably four lineages that have evolved limblessness. And actually the first ones to do it, uh, the aistopods, they we don't actually have transitional forms for them. We just find them, you know, as fully formed noodles in the fossil record. And they they're awesome. Would that be like because their bone structure or like cartilage or? It's just because the fossil record sucks sometimes. That's uh, that's one reason that I'm focusing on uh, living things now, is because. Well, think about it. If you find if you find a bunch of bones in the fossil record, you're like, oh, this looks like snake bones, but I don't see any arms in there. Can you tell if that's because the animal didn't have any arms, or it, maybe it's just the arms weren't preserved? I mean, I think we've talked a lot about that on this show about like made up, <laughs> made up skeletons. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't want to do that. So you kind of have to <laughs> just, you, it's hard to make an assumption, but yeah, you know, you can assume that a triceratops, if you found a, a fossil skeleton of a triceratops that didn't have legs, you know, we have other triceratopses that do have legs. So you can tell that that individual probably did have legs. They just weren't preserved, but yeah, very different story for legless lizards and snakes and legless amphibians. Uh, but yeah, with the with the amphibians, it looks like they um, legs evolved about 380 million years ago. And it seems like that lineage just kind of pieced out of the whole leg thing, just <laughs> decided not to do it. Um, I'm done. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. And it took like, yeah, it was, you know, a couple million years. And they decided, okay. decided against it. Peace out, guys. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay, so, yeah. It, it, oh, crazy. So, okay, I want to ask you. We know that snakes have numerous ways of defending themselves, from venom, you know, to, like, pelvic spurs, which... Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, how, do, yeah, how do legless lizards keep themselves safe? They hide. Yeah, and a lot of legless lizards spend almost their entire lives underground. A lot of them uh, have evolved uh, blindness. Uh, A lot of them are, they, a lot of them just straight up look like worms because they, they don't have legs. They, Worms or worms? Worms. Yeah. There's actually a skink genus called uh, vermiformis. I think they really do look like worms. They're pink uh, and they, you know, their heads are really small. They, you know, barely have visible eyes some of them yeah Um, we've talked about stuff like that on the show before i think that they have talked about that kind of stuff mm -hmm. so yeah it's uh it's safe under there you can get away from bad weather uh it's really 
Uh, it's an easier way to retain heat and retain um, like when it's cold out and retain moisture. So it's it's uh, a lot of these have evolved in Australia where it's very arid and you can they sort of can in their burrow create like a little mini humidity chamber. Are they are these animals threatened? And if so, how do we help? Uh, there's some good news there. They at least the ones in North America are doing fine. Uh, there's one species of only stink. animal in the country. Yeah, <laughs> there's one species of um, skink with two toes on each back foot and no arms uh, in Florida that is vulnerable. But other than that, they seem to be doing pretty well. Uh, in Australia, there are a few that are not doing not so great. Actually, of the top twenty endangered lizards in Australia, three of them are legless lizards. Uh, and two of them are blind snakes. But there are a lot of legless lizard species in Australia. Okay. So I have to ask this question. Lucas wants to know if these animals make good pets. So there are so many species of legless lizards. Um, and only one that I can think of would actually be a good pet. Pseudopus apotus or the Sheltopusic. It's the biggest of the legless lizards or non-snake legless lizards. And uh, they, as long as you have a big enough terrarium, they, you know, they are pretty active and they eat a lot of things. Like they are not picky eaters at all. So that would be your best bet as far as pets go. There, there are some of them that become available just like, you know, you kind of have to look for them. Uh, like uh, there are some glass lizards. Uh, there's also a legless gecko. Uh, Burton's legless gecko um, yeah that uh, is sometimes available but that one that one is a very picky eater and prefers to eat live lizards so that's you gotta reckon with that if you're gonna get that Um, but a lot of these lizards in the pet trade are wild caught and uh, it's really hard to catch legless lizards because they're underground all the time yeah and uh, that's a reason that a lot of these species might not be good pets (laughs) They're just underground the whole time, so you won't see them. Like the, um, what's it called? Echidna? Is that the thing? Hedgehog cousin? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, well, not cousin, lookalike. That's another instance of convergent evolution. Yes. Um, I know they have one at the zoo out here, or they did have one. They had it for 12 years, and I never once saw it. It, <laughs> it hides and sleeps like it, it burrows and sleeps all day. Mm-hmm. And I never saw it, and I was like, no, I just want to see Knuckles. <laughs> That's all I want to see. Oh, and they've got such cute snuffly noses. They're so adorable. I'm like, no, like go wake it up, please. <laughs> yes. Wake it up. I do have a question. Like I do have a comment though for you before I ask you my last question. Did it ever bother you that like the basilisk in Harry Potter looks more like a legless lizard and not a snake? Oh my goodness. So much. So much. That head like screams legless lizard, right? Yes. And that is actually... Excellent. Because for our listeners who don't know, can you describe like what, what looks different? Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of diversity in legless lizards. Um, but one thing that distinguishes snakes from a lot of other groups is uh, the they don't have movable eyelids, so they don't blink. They actually have a scale, a clear scale that's fixed over their eyes. Uh, that's sort of the main giveaway. Uh, their teeth are also different. The, the basilisk in Harry Potter, the teeth are like... I don't know, like they're more like eel teeth, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. They aren't. They don't have that recurve thing going on. 
Um, and their heads are... It's like the head shape is different. Yeah, the head shape is different. Uh, most snakes like have a head that look like a lizard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because they're, they're optimized for burrowing and snakes uh, sort of evolved out of that. A lot of snakes have a head that's wider than their neck. Yes. Um, where, yeah, the, the basilisk like the and Harry Potter yeah. doesn't have that. Um, no, it does so, not yeah. have a snake head. <laughs> yeah. Definitely so, yeah, not. I was very disappointed in that design. <laughs> I mean, I think Harry Potter's let a lot of us down in a lot of ways. We're well, well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so if our fans want to keep up to date with your work or follow you on social media, where could they do so? Uh, I can be found at Krista Larista on Twitter. Uh, and that's pretty much my only significant social media <laughs> presence. <laughs> I, I do want to say thank you for your time and thank you for coming on. I know we got a little off topic. <laughs> I don't think they're ever going to trust me with the keys to the car again. Oh, but it was so fun. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I uh, appreciate you coming on and uh, we'll have to have you back again. Indeed. Thank All you. Right, thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Well, thank you very much, Maddie and Krista, for that. I that was a awesome discussion. I learned a lot. As did I. That was actually a really, really cool little um little session right there. But on uh, on that note, uh, again, listener, we want to thank you so much for giving us your time uh, and and just listening to our podcast and helping us to continue to grow. Uh, Lucas mentioned it in his latest Lucas lecture, but we did just hit our 200th review in podcast apps. And we want to thank you all so much for helping out with that, for rating our show, for, you know, helping others find it, for talking to us and, and, you know, talking about us, what we're doing well, what we can be better at, uh, topics that we would want to cover. And all of us really would just love to encourage you to, to, to keep it up. You know, we've, we keep seeing lots of like one I was just seeing this morning was talking about, uh, you know, talking about weather Pokemon. And I think that would be great to talk about in an upcoming episode, Don. hundred percent. That would actually be a really cool one. I like that idea. Especially we do uh, the weather trio. We haven't done the weather trio. We have not done the weather trio. So I just want to say again, thank you all very much. And if you're enjoying the show, uh, leaving a review is one of the best ways to help us grow because it helps people. It, it helps us in the algorithms. It helps people find the show. It helps grow this community. So please, 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 if you have a second, uh, we ask that you leave a review in your podcast app of choice. So we have a, uh, I guess, a special episode coming up in the future, Don. Do we? Which would be something that you might say is an oversized episode. Is it now? But I don't want to monkey around too much with the hints ah um i understand i believe what you are hinting about get a little easter egg for for anyone who can figure it out yeah it was very subtle (laughs) i can't think of another pun that would tie in the last part of that i can think of a couple but they're too blatant (laughs) okay okay well, keep an eye out for that. I think it'll be well, we're gonna have some fun in the coming months, and Don will finally get you your Pokemon Snap, and then I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So on that note, again, thank you all so much, and we hope you have a wonderful day and night. 
take care. Absolutely.